Preeti Chibber. And I'm Jen Northington. And this is Tar Valen or Bust, a Wheel of Time podcast. You listen sharp, think deep, and guard your tongue. <laughs> Are we going to laugh every time? We're going to laugh every time we quote this book. That That is Tam speaking to Rand in uh, Chapter 9 of The Eye of the World because we are going to be talking about the first 10 chapters and we will not be guarding our tongues Mm-mm. at all. Or even potentially thinking that sharply. <laughs> Fair point. <laughs> Whoops. We'll be rereading the books in advance of the TV show adaptations release. We're talking about our favorite and not so favorite moments and digging into all things Wheel of Time. And I have like 6,000 notes <laughs> that I wanted to start out the show with. I know, before we even get to the like, the, the breakdown of these chapters. Yeah, so we, today, at, at the time of this recording, we just released episode zero and uh, everybody has been so amazingly welcoming and excited, and we are so grateful and appreciative that y'all are excited about this, too. I know! <laughs> it's really lovely. Um, so first, a shout out to the other Wheel of Time podcasts out there who have been just the most welcoming, um, and we hope to maybe like do some collaborations with them in the future or something. Hopefully, we will all be the best of friends. So stay tuned for that, and thank you again to them uh, for greeting us. Um, and a shout out to Ola, who is a friend, who's also it turns out a Wheel of Time fan, for telling me that these exist. So I don't, I did not know this, but a company called Juniper Books has put out a set of beautiful dragon-themed matching jackets for if you already have the hardcover, like you can order these jackets to put on your hardcover editions of the wheel of time and there will be a link in the show notes and y'all need to go look at them they're stunning they're gorgeous and they spell out like wheel of time when you line up all the spines it's it's very very pretty and it kind of i like looked at the link when you sent it to me and they were so beautiful and then i got a little sad because my copies are just so all over the place like I don't think I ever actually owned the first book because I borrowed it from a friend. And then like, so I went the other day upstairs to look at the library and be like, what copies do we have? And we have like, for some reason, two copies of like book 11, one copy <laughs> of book four, like book seven is the mass market falling apart in my hands. I was like, what is this garbage system? So I had to reorder I reordered like a bunch of the mass markets from a used bookstore today because it was just like I I can't I can't survive I can't work under these I can't I can't work under these conditions so (laughs) someday I was just gonna say I don't know that I will ever own all of the hardcovers but that I covet those um, they take up so much space I think that's why a lot of my hardcovers in New York I was like I cannot keep this it takes up so much space and they're so heavy to move, and we have moved so many times in our lives. It reminds me when I when I interned at Tor. I remember like my first or second day there, uh, an editor. I was talking to them, and I was like, "You just get to like get free books. Like that's amazing." And he was like, "No, you're gonna get so tired of free books." And I was like, "I'll never get tired of free books." <laughs> Lies. <laughs> Famous last words. It's a really it's like a privilege problem. It, it really is really is. <laughs> Uh, oh, right. The other thing I wanted to shout out was, I'm sure most of you know this, but just in case you didn't, Tor.com has been doing Wheel of Time rereads for a long time. 
Um, there's Lee Butler's, which is like definitely worth uh, using as a companion read-along if you're doing this thing. And then also uh, a new read-along is happening with Silas K. Barrett, who is currently on Fires of Heaven, so like way farther than we are. Um, but there's this amazing piece up about binary in like binary concepts in the Wheel of Time and like how how limiting it is when Robert Jordan has built like such an otherwise fascinating and complex world. And I want to leave it a link in the show notes. We're going to come back to this as we get deeper into the book though. Cause I love Byrett's approach to this, um, but it's a little bit spoilery. So I, but I just wanted to shout that out like as a preview of some of the things that we will be talking about. So. And speaking of previews, another Ooh. very big thing happened today on the wheel of time, like Amazon show account which now we're going to be uploading this episode in like two weeks, but it's it's unlikely we'll be getting other content necessarily that quickly. And it's just a short sound snippet of like what sounds like chaos and then a woman's voice asking, are you ready? A man saying no. And then she saying me either or neither. I couldn't hear quite well enough, but probably Egwene and Rand, we think. Yeah, that's. That's our theory. That's our working theory. I can't imagine who else it would be. Yeah, at, same. Like, because it sounds like it's like the the attack on Eamon's Field, maybe. Yeah. And like, who else would be talking with that kind of dialogue in that moment? Well, um, I don't think Moiraine is not asking anybody no. if they're ready. She's Moiraine's just like, like, let's go. go. We're going. <laughs> I guess it could, but that. Or, um, I'm just trying to think of, like, when that could be. Okay, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So should we just, are we going to do it? Let's just get into this, Let's I guess. Let's do it. Let's ah. get do it. So the prologue. <laughs> I know. I had such a strong reaction to reading the prologue because I was immediately annoyed. I was like, ugh. I hate Louis Theron. Same. I hate him. And I had forgotten. I literally forgot about him. So I was instantly so annoyed. <laughs> it was it was really like this weird, very strange sense of like very visceral feelings rushing back as you're reading this because you do learn to really, really loathe Louis Theron as the books go on. And so it is like horrific moment in his life which is yeah. that you know lose there in kinslayer right clearly the forsaken mm-hmm. uh and um the dark one have influenced him such that he has murdered his entire family and it is like very like greek tragedy level sort of stuff happening but i still was like oh lose there <laughs> I'm kind of relieved that it wasn't just me because <laughs> I felt I felt the wave of annoyance and then I felt like a jerk and then I was like no maybe it's maybe it's maybe I'm not a jerk maybe I'm a jerk I don't care either way that was my instant response <laughs> but it is such a great start to the book I feel like because it just immediately draws you in with this like intense stuff that's going down and you know that there is something very, very wrong happening with like all of the various sort of um, dichotomies that are set up and the paralleling that is already happening like right away. And then it just cuts off and you have no idea what's going to happen to those people and how they're involved and, and what what will influence what you're going to be in the next chapter. 
Right, right. He turns himself into a mountain. The end. Like, what? Right. <laughs> okay. And you're like, <laughs> pardon? Yeah. <laughs> Are they all dead? <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and then, you know, so, so the prologue is just like, I feel like it's a very strong setup to the series as a whole because it's immediately, without all our co- sort of baggage with Luz there, yeah. it yeah. is super compelling and interesting, I think. Um does kind of suck that it starts with a dead wife yeah a little a little bit a little bit a little bit of a bummer there yeah i i will say and you know i think the prologue does this as well i had forgotten how like grisly and horror-y it's these so books are. scary it's so scary and and but then you like you go into the prologue and yeah there's like dead people everywhere and like you know, screaming is happening and insanity and like just it's so dark so fast and you're like, oh right. Like I tend to remember the action sequences and the characters and I just had completely forgotten some of the darker stuff. So I, I will say like certainly the prologue sets the tone for that. Yeah, and, and yeah. you immediately get this moment of choice, right? Like the immediately um Lose there and is given the choice of if you serve the the dark lord basically if you serve if you serve this great lord of the dark uh will bring your family back to life and so right. you see that choices are clearly going to weigh very heavily in this series and and not just being um what's the word destined necessarily for greatness but actively having to choose goodness consistently which I actually really appreciate in terms of storytelling. Yeah. Yeah. And the, I mean, the stakes are so clear, right? We talk a lot in editing and publishing about stakes. Like the stakes are clear instantly. Like you're saying, like, it's just like, oh, we know that this is like world ending, earth shattering, life threatening stakes, like right off the bat. And then we get <laughs> chapter one after that very like, like sort of just like Jordan just sort of like throws you in the deep end with that prologue uh, and then brings you right into this new world. Yep. Rand Althor. I love, I actually, like I know that Rand is a divisive figure, <laughs> let's say. say. But these early chapters of Rand and his dad. I just love it so much. I I honestly I I remember being annoyed with Rand like later on in the books. Um but I I don't think I have some of the same frustrations with him as some other folks do. I mean, we'll see. We'll see. So maybe I have like this soft spot in my heart for like angsty teenagers who have, you know, things like it really intense circumstances who have greatness thrust upon them or whatever. Like they, you know, I think I might have a little more of a soft spot. I, again, he's not my favorite. Rand is certainly not my favorite. Just like, to make it clear. Nobody's <laughs> saying that. No, I, <laughs> but I, I do, especially in these opening chapters, he's such a no, good kid. I agree with you. I think that uh, it took me a long time, but I think we sometimes as adults who read younger characters have a tendency to forget that they still have to act like teenagers. 
you know like these they're kids here they're like 19 20 years old like they're very very young and Rand's desperate love of his father in in the first book you know we've been of course neither one of us has any willpower so we've been reading ahead um (laughs) his desperate love of his father and his like the identity crisis that he gets thrown into is so intensely like awful and you feel for him so deeply that even when he makes these absurd decisions and these like has these thoughts and and does these things you're like oh my god what are you doing but in the way of like I get it like you are going through a very tumultuous time so this this first chapter you know we meet Rand and Tam as they're walking um into the village from their home bringing like brandy I think like yeah, brandy, brandy from the and farm. Apple cider. Oh, brandy and apple cider for Beltine. Yeah. Uh, and Rand feels like he's being watched and he sees this man in a dark cloak and he it makes him feel anger and, and fear and and by the time he tells his father about it, Tam doesn't see anything. And it's just like like you said, like the horror in this book is something I absolutely forgot. And so the sl- the like kind of slow burn build to the to what ends up happening um where jordan really puts in that like fear and that tension of like something very wrong is going to happen and something very very like horrible is going to happen to these people cuz you see all these like pieces of like well this feels wrong and this feels wrong and this feels wrong um and this like man is one of those very very early set pieces yeah and and yet we get lines like, "It was going to be the best Beltine ever." Oh no! <laughs> I read that line and I was like, "Oh my sweet baby cinnamon roll!" Like you, this is not going to be the best Beltine ever. This is going to be buddy. the worst day of your life. <laughs> it's really not. Uh, and you know, I think that um, I think that if there's anything that I that I like really took away from these first 10 chapters which is all of the two rivers stuff like they haven't left Innisfield yet they mm-hmm. and you know um so great so they're strangers on the road and they're like going into town and there's all kinds of strangers in town suddenly you know and um Matt is plotting hijinks and there's a oh, gleeman and everybody's yay. so excited about everything and you're just like oh right like this is this is where they come from. Like yeah. these are they're like they're like it's a farming community. It's real hard scrabble. Like they're very independent, and like you know, this is it's just such a clear setup for everything later. And it is so sort of not idyllic because you see almost immediately that some of these people are jerks for you know lack of a better word um like you see that they're small-minded sometimes you see that they're like they're not perfect um nobody's perfect here um but you see like this community you see a community and I that's a thing that I personally look for all the time in books because you know a character who's just sort of out in the wind like the lone whatever I am not here for that Mm -hmm. like I'm here for people who are part of maybe it's a friend group maybe it's a family group maybe it's a whole like geographic community like I love to see that in a story um and so that is I I like I think I've reread this book more than any other book when I was younger and I think that's part of why is because you do you get this 
this real sense of community that they're all connected to each other in these really powerful ways. And I love that. I love that. Yeah, it was a really nice like uh, introduction to everybody, I feel like, right? Like you like you said, you really feel as though the space is lived in. Like I love Matt's introduction. He immediately shows up and is like, let's fuck with everybody in this goddamn village. I'm going to release a badger, scare the ladies. And Rand is like, all right, I'm a little old for it, but that's pretty funny. (laughs) And you see, and you know, the gossip starts and the way all these people interact starts. But having all these characters show up, like I love Nenev I know I'm not saying it right, but we <laughs> here we are. We're going to pronounce we things how we've pronounced them in our heads yeah, while we're yeah. reading. Nenev and Egwene are, like, I love that, that whole introduction because there's such, like, I don't think they come off as, like, annoying or shrill or anything. They just come off as people who have to stand their ground, mm. right? And... I really appreciate kind of the juxtaposition between the women and the men, which which Jordan kind of takes on like in a very aggressive way as the series goes on. But in this one small instance, I like how the two of them show up as these kind of like very willful characters and very like independent and independent of thought and action. Right. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking as I was reading, I I two thoughts on that first is that I forgot how much of this first section, it's all Rand. Like, I'm so used to thinking oh of the God, Wheel no. of Time. It's yeah, Rand. As, like, it just jumps around from POV to POV. You get all nope. these people, you can't even keep track. Nope, like the first 10 solid the first chapters. The 20 chapters are all Rand. 100% Rand. And you're like, oh, wait a minute, what? And I will say that that, I had this moment, I think I actually wrote it down. I was like, is the gender essentialism just a teenage boy talking in his own head? Because like you're in his head and like, right. yeah, what teenage boy is not like girls are weird and scary. Like that's like a thing for a lot of kids. Like I, you know, it's, it's, it's part of the schoolyard dynamics um, or the farmyard dynamics, I guess in this case, but, <laughs> but, but it, I, it isn't. I know it's not um, because I know it shows up repeatedly in other places. I remember it, even if I can't point to it yet. We'll get there. But I did have this moment of like, oh, right. Like, of course, he's like freaked out by his feelings for yes. I'm going to say it differently than you, Egwene. <laughs> and of course, he's scared of Nynaeve. Like, it's just they're just he's a teenage boy like these are his feelings and like that doesn't make it like correct it just makes it more explicable yeah but there is these like there are these moments though that they don't balance it because again like all right we have to i have to stop like uh uh caveating everything um (laughs) because we know what comes later but there are these moments that happen in the early chapters of this book where Rand does have these thoughts and he's these silly teen boy thoughts but then he either is proved proven wrong immediately or Mm -hmm. he realizes that he shouldn't be thinking of this girl like that like there there are these like like we're fast forwarding a little bit to chapter 10 when they are taking their leave but Egwene's whole thing of I noticed I paid attention and that's yeah. why I'm coming with you. Yeah. You know, like it's such a great moment for this girl who is younger than Rand. So she's like, mm-hmm. you know, 17, 18, whatever it is. But she is unafraid and she is 
smart enough to get there on her own. Like, she did not have the Aes Sedai holding her hand. She did not have anybody. She did it by herself. And when Rand thinks to, like, question that, (laughs) but he, like, pulls back on that thought. Like, well, she got here. She knows. Mm Mm-hmm. And so, like, it's those little moments that I kind of want to latch on to and I really appreciate because some of the gender stuff gets so frustrating Yeah, (laughs) as the read goes on that you find these pockets of, like, really, like, like, uh, not strong in the, like, kind of annoying sense of the word, but strong in the, like, complexity sense of the word. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, she's a whole person. Yeah, exactly. A whole personality. And who is going to behave in nuanced and complex ways outside of just being a girl. Yeah, it's uh, it's also, I had forgotten how badass Moraine is. Yes! She is so badass, like, right, the, right away. Right away. Like, oh, she's got a fancy dress. She's got, like, a blue gem in her hair. Like, and then she's, like, kicking ass and taking names and, like, you know, healing people and do it like bossing everybody around and just like she is just right off the bat. She is so strong and it's so satisfying. It's so satisfying. Well, that scene where she comes out after you learn what she is, after she saves Tam, after you still have to sit through Rand kind of questioning his association with her even though she's just saved his father like you you sit through all of this and she's like leaning against the front of the inn listening to all these like jerks who have come to like drive her out you know drive her out of the village um and she tells them that whole story of Mm. their own history and just yes, kind of and it's so good and it's like she's got her staff and she's just so unbothered by their casual hatefulness and and small-mindedness like you said and she just kind of like owns that moment in such a great way of like okay we're gonna talk we're gonna talk right oh but like that, those yeah. are the like the character moments in these early chapters are so good because they immediately tell you so much about who you're gonna spend like the next <laughs> forty thousand pages with. <laughs> but okay, let's let's uh, <laughs> let's get back to like our 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 trio of boys. Oh okay okay. Because you know there's something special about them, right? Moiraine has, has has shown us that Rand, Matt, and Perrin are all born within, you know, a certain amount of time of each other. And there's clearly something about them that's, that's, that's important. Well, interestingly enough, I actually think that these first ten chapters set it up that just Rand is going to be important, right? Because... Yes. Um, he like overhears the thing that you know Tam is injured and he's he's dragging him back into the town after this trollic attack, and um, and Tam is rambling and he's like talking about finding a baby on the side of a mountain and Rand is like oh shit like am I is my whole life a lie like what is mm-hmm. going on, um, and 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 so you you know that there's something different about him. That, like, he doesn't even, he, like, kind of doesn't even know it about himself. Um, but you don't know. Like, all you know about him and Matt and Perrin, otherwise, in terms of specialness, is that they were all born. Right, right, right. Is that Moiraine says there's something yeah, yeah, special, yeah. right? It's that the, the, 
the what we have come to learn through the as readers is that the smartest person and the person who clearly has some level of understanding above right. what is happening has said that these three people there's something important about them like there's right. some some necessary thing that sh- they need to go with her um because i agree with you like the way the book sets it up is that rand is the end all be all all of the important things are going to happen to him everything is going to revolve around him which Although like now Sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead. Now I'm double guessing myself because I'm thinking back to uh, Rand's conversation with the innkeeper who, when they're talking about like what was damaged in town. With, oh, right. It's like, because it's oh, right. Karen, they went to Matt, Matt and Rand. They went to the forge, right? They went to the Ibarra farm and they went to the Althor farm. Yeah. So like, actually it's true that even though we're stuck in Rand's head, the clues are there from the get go. So that's actually, yes, I take it back. I take it No, back. the clues are there, but the first 10 chapters, I think, yeah. very clearly set us up for Rand to be our connection and right. give us the most intrigue about Rand. Because at this point, the first 10 chapters, like, their parent doesn't have much to do in the first 10 chapters, like, at all. And Matt's just kind of the, like, Plucky my relief. favorite, like, dopey ne'er-do-well. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I still even even with how like irritating he's being right now and like later but later chapters I'm like I still love you. <laughs> I know you do. I know you do. But it's you know the the these other two you don't really like we see everything from Rand's perspective. So this whole mm-hmm. the whole sequence on the Althor farm I think is so good and so, good. so scary. Yeah. When, you know, when the, you know it's coming, like the tension is so high in the like pages leading up to the, the first Trolloc banging on the door, right? Like when mm-hmm. they're they're going to eat dinner and, and Tam is clearly uncomfortable about something and there's this like simmering, just like anxiety, which Jordan weaves so well throughout all of his action sequences. Like I keep coming back to this feeling of like, oh my God, something horrible is going to happen. Yeah. But there is, you know, this great, like, fight sequence. Rand, in, in, I think, is what is such a great introduction to a character put in extraordinary circumstances. Just, just fucking books it. Because yeah. his dad tells him to. Yeah. He's a good kid. He is, like, capital G, capital K, good kid. Like, that's yes. who he is. Ugh, bless. But- and the Heronmark sword. I had 100% forgotten about the Heronmark sword. And it's sword. so like prevalent yeah yeah how did i forget i also forgot (laughs) but there's that so the one of my favorite moments in these early chapters is after the initial fight and rand and tam get reunited and tam is hurt and so rand has to go back to the home and he's like scooting on his belly back to the house and it's so scary because you absolutely are like I know you're gonna run into another trollic I know you're gonna run into another trollic and then when he's in the house and that trollic speaks to him Narg (laughs) he's got a name and everything it's so good and then Rand accidentally kills him his first like I love everything about this setup for this character because it's so uh, reluctant. Every piece of it mm-hmm. is reluctant and every piece of it happens to him. And it tells yeah. you so much about who he is in that moment as this like young kid and how much he needs to learn still. Yeah. Oh, it's so true. It's so true. 
and how hard he's trying. Like he is trying the most to like do the right thing. And it's, he just doesn't know what that is. And so he's fumbling around and it's so related. It's hashtag relatable. (laughs) It really is. He's just, he just needs to get, and, and this, like you said, the stakes feel so high because his father is dying as far as he's concerned and he has to get out of here, but he doesn't know. I mean, this is the classic conundrum of like YA books or, or chosen one books or whatever it is where the father figure does not give the information to the chosen one that they should have had to better prepare themselves for the journey that is coming. Right. Classic. Rand is so sheltered. And also, dad can't come too. Like, he's got to be injured so that he cannot protect. Like, parents are not allowed on this trip. Although, I mean, if you think about it, Moiraine and Lan are, like, the scary parents you kind of don't want to have. Oh, for sure. Moiraine, like, I love her, like, I love both her introductions in terms of, like, her weird and mysterious one where she gives them money, but then also, yeah. like, the, like, major, like, I am not some conjurer of cheap tricks moment yeah. she has later on where you get to see these, like, amazing sides to this to this person who has so much power, but, yeah, <laughs> no parents. <laughs> Like, no parents. No they, parents. They have to learn. We don't even like, like as much as we hear about parents, uh, the blacksmith who's I did not write their names down because uh, uh, it's the black Lewin. Lewin, and, yeah. Um, his his wife's name is Alsbet. The two of them don't and parents' relationship. And parents' relationship to them, like it's still very separate from when we get to just see kind of, again, leaning back into this idea of this is Rand's story, which is very yeah. much not the case. Like, it's ever, Rand is obviously, like, a major figure, but it's all of their stories because they're all important. But leaning into that is this notion of, like, we do get so much information or, like, lack of information early on about mm-hmm. Rand and Tam. Like, Tam has this past where he ends up with a heron mark sword and he had this like outlander wife and and all of these things and, and so... he taught he taught ram the flame and the void yes there's so much going on there that we that and doesn't get like we don't get the payoff for that for ever well that's what i was thinking too honestly i was like oh there's that there's that mm-hmm. there's that but there's there's seeds right now right like they're just little yeah. tiny seeds that are gonna grow into like gigantic <laughs> plot points i mean this is the other fun thing of reading right where you're reading and you're like foreshadowing yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i was texting for the i was like i like every page is foreshadowing i swear to god oh but the other thing that i love too while we're talking about seeds is like how many different little um pieces of the world building we get right mm-hmm. so like we get Beltine, so that's like a very specific like european like celtic sort of holiday that we're feeding in but then we also get introduced to this idea of you know satan and sadar like just very briefly the yin and the yang which is you know obviously from eastern cultures and then we get um a reference to archer hawkwing Yes, in, in in one of time, and I was like, oh, King Arthur, he's right there. I forgot. How did I forget that King Arthur is like a huge plot point in this? Um, and then also you get the dream traveling right off it. Like in the first ten chapters, you get all of these things, and they are they're just like these teeny tiny little like 
seemingly throwaway things that are going to turn out to be huge later on. That's just good writing. Like, that's good writing. No, I agree. I agree with you. I think that what the, the, the 10 chapters are full of intrigue. Right? It, and they're so, like, beautifully written in terms of, like, you can see every piece of this. You can, like, this world can exist in your head, you know? Like, I'm one mm-hmm. of those people when I'm reading, it's a movie. Like, that's yeah, how yeah. that's how I engage with it. And you can see every piece of what you're reading because it's all, it's not overly descriptive. It's not flowery language, but it is very clear and very, like, lived in and very... Um, What's the word? Tactile. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so good. It's real good. It's real good. It was funny, too, because I remember the writing getting really, like, boggy mm-hmm. in later books, um, which I don't think is unusual, especially for, like, a very popular series. Like, they just don't get edited to the same extent that right. your first couple books do. And, like, you know, it, it's hard to maintain that kind of cleanness while still getting in all of the details right because that's it, it's really hard to balance those two things as a writer um I, I don't speak as a writer as a reader who deals with a lot of writers I understand that it is hard to balance those things uh and so and it's nice to see like to remind me of like yeah how did I get so upset like how because this is part of the question of doing this reread is like how did I get so obsessed with these books that years later I'm still, like, even though I haven't picked one up in, like, a decade, I'm, like, writing up a pitch for a show that hasn't happened yet. Like, how did that, how did they get into me like that? And I think this, these first 10 chapters, it's like, oh, right, this is how. Like, this is, this is good world building. This is good writing right here. Like, these are great characters. This is, you know, it's lived in. It's got, you know, so many things going on. Um, So that, it feels a little affirming, I guess. To, like, have that experience really Yeah, where you're like, okay, my memory of this is not, it's not a wash in nostalgia. It's not, like, right. something where you're like, oh, I love this thing when I was little. I'm going to love it when I'm, you know, an adult. And then you watch it and you're like, what? Ugh. What was I thinking? <laughs> yeah. No, here it's like you still see all the pieces that you loved as a kid and how they probably, like, I'm, I'm reading this and I'm like, I can see I can see how this would have started my reading journey in a certain way, Mm. you know? Like, I can see how I went from this to the next book to the next book to the next book. And, like, I can see a straight line from this to, like, um, Jacqueline Carey to Phaedra to to getting from the point, starting with, like, Egwene and Nenev and ending up probably, because I think I picked those books up in the Cushiel's Dart series, um, which maybe we'll do like a Patreon episode about yeah, a yeah, Cushiel's Dirt yeah. book. Who knows? But um, I think I probably read that about four or five years after I read the first Wheel of Time book. I probably read the first Cushiel book. And I think I can draw a line between the characters and why, how Nenevin and Gwen started my appreciation for a character like Phaedra. Mm. That's interesting. That's interesting. Because if yeah. you look at the, like, stubbornness and this fallibility and this notion of, like, I 100% believe in the thing that I am saying, I, I can see, like, all of those connections. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I came to the Jacqueline Carey books in the aughts uh, because I read a piece on Salon 
I think. Oh. And it was like, yeah, it was, I think it was, I think it happened to be around the time when maybe Game of Thrones was like first starting to air okay. on TV. Is that possible? Or it could have been before that, but there were, there was a lot of buzz about Game of Thrones and if I recall correctly, the salon piece, I'll see if I can dig it up. It's been so long, though. Who knows if it's still up? Uh, was like, for my money, these are the political fantasy books you should be reading. And and so I was like, well, I'll, I'll take that recommendation. And like, thus began another obsession uh, that we also <laughs> happen to share. It's true. So, but that was like a huge gap of time. Uh, and so for me, it's more like I can see how I got from, you know, Tamara Pierce, to Dragonland. Yes. yes. To Wheel of Time. Okay, like sorry. That's, yes. That's the progression. Tamara Pierce, 100%. Yes. Song of the Lioness was first. I mean, yeah. Yes. True. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. Alana, Alana was the original. I mean, <laughs> just, it's just true. It's just it's, true. It's just true. So. But it is interesting to see kind of what has what has continued to work yeah yeah and it's like heartening like oh yeah right yeah, this is like it this is, is good what, this is what makes this great it is good and it's i'm so excited to think about kind of the conversations we're going to be having now that you know we've we've reached the end of our time in two rivers yep and now it's like now shit really is gonna go down right yeah. even even in chapter 10 we get to see an actual bat man <laughs> i forgot about the drag car too i totally forgot <laughs> i forgot so many things i mean of course i did of course i did but i was like oh shit like i forgot about the bat dudes no i the the bat the the drag car is like the one thing that like has like stuck with me because i think i remember so strongly reading this and being like is that like an actual bat man (laughs) (laughs) and the image of like (laughs) but i love it i love it so much like that this is how this their exit of the safest space and and you know that that traditional notion of fantasy of like once you leave home you can never go home again right like it's it's you know the Shire on fire in Lord of the Rings. It's it's like once you go home, once you leave, you like you you will be un- you will be changed forever, yeah. and you'll never fit back into that same space because you won't be the the, the right shape for it anymore. But oh, he, my little two rivers baby. I know, Sorry. but he gives us that right away. There's no yeah. notion of like we're gonna get to that point where you're gonna learn. It's like uh uh-uh. uh, this journey is kicking off with a bang. A Batman. <laughs> I can't just say Batman. It's Batman. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I don't know. Is there anything else to cover for the, the first mean, ten chapters? That Those are most of my... Oh, wait. You know what we didn't talk about yet? What? Creepy. We didn't talk about Bella. <gasps> Bella! <laughs> the first horse in the Wheel of Time. I will say, while I'm listening to the audiobook, I'm like, <laughs> I'm having these like emotional reactions to the horse names whenever they say like, oh, Mandarb. <laughs> I'm like, oh, Mandarb. But Bella for real, when when uh, Rand is like, Egwene can ride Bella. I was like, oh, <laughs> Bella, such a good horse. 
the best horse. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna say it now. Bella is the best Pips. horse in the Wheel of Time. Pips is the best horse in no. the Wheel of Time. No. Pips is. We'll have this fight. Pips has we not will. arrived yet. <laughs> but one one Pips does. Pips <laughs> Pips will win. All right, we'll see about that. We'll see. <laughs> All right, that feels like a good moment to wrap up our discussion on. Yeah, okay, so uh, in two weeks, we will be discussing chapters 11 through 20, where a lot of things happen. <laughs> so many things. So many things happen. Oh, man. I'm, like, glancing at my notes for, like, for the next next episode. And, like, good God. <laughs> So you have that to look forward to uh, two weeks from now. So that is November 25th, which is probably right around American Thanksgiving is my guess. Yeah, yeah, yep. And feels so far in the future, I cannot even comprehend it. Uh, so yeah, so keep an eye out for future episodes. Um, we'll be aiming to drop them on the second and fourth Wednesdays of every month for our hashtag Wheel of Time Wednesdays. It's going to be uh, very exciting if we actually manage. To We're going to do it. I think we can do it. <laughs> uh, oh, we should thank our amazing new Patreon supporters. Yes, thank oh. you to Emily, Evans, Yulia, Matthew, Ola, and Brian. Um, you can, if you want to support us on Patreon, we would really appreciate it. We're just trying to basically cover the cost of the show. So there's only one tier. Um, but eventually, maybe we'll start doing a secret special patreon episodes i don't know and it's patreon.com slash tarvalin or bust and speaking of brian a big big thank you to brian dunn fellow wheel of time fan and musician who created the amazing intro and outro tracks for this podcast you can find more of his work at briandunnmusic.net that is brian with a y and dunn with two n's and let's see, in between shows, you can find us on social media. Uh, I'm mostly on Instagram these days, although I just reactivated my Tumblr after like a two-year hiatus. And I was delighted to see that the Wheel of Time fandom over there is strong and thriving. So I will be enjoying playing around in that. Um, but yeah, if you want to follow me on Instagram, it's I am Jen IRL. That's I A M. J-E-N-N-I-R-L. I'm also on two other podcasts uh, for Book Riot. I'm on the Get Booked Show and the SFF Yeah Show. Uh, and you can find me mostly on Twitter, but also on Tumblr and Instagram at RunWithSkizzers. That's S-K-I-Z-Z-E-R-S. Uh, and I am co-hosting Daisy Geek Girls and my sci-fi podcast, Strong Female Characters, will likely be back from hiatus in uh, about a month and a half or so. Oh, that's exciting news. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Well, we're we're seeing. We're seeing. Okay. We still did not figure out our sign off. <laughs> yeah, we didn't. Realized. You know what? The wheel the wheel wills as the wheel wills. <laughs>